Hey, good morning, friends. It is uh, Tuesday morning, uh, this time the day after Memorial Day 2020. I hope that uh, you all were able to get some rest yesterday and have a good weekend. I hope also that you uh, were able to uh, take some time to actually observe the reason for Memorial Day and uh, to be thankful for those who have sacrificed themselves for uh, the sake of, of our country's freedom. Uh, I had a great day yesterday, had a fun day yesterday, and uh, but now getting back into the swing of things, it was nice to have a little break from um, what has, you know, up here where we're at, you know, it's been quite a bit of lockdown, 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 and so it was nice to kind of get something different uh, from that. Uh, so today we're going to be looking at uh, this weekend's psalm. Now, of course, this weekend we enter into a season known as Pentecost. So we've uh, we've still been in the season of Easter, and now we're leaving and going into Pentecost. And the psalm for this Sunday is Psalm 25. Now, uh, the lectionary says Psalm 25, verses 1 through 15, I think. But I think we're going to go ahead and just uh, read the, the whole thing this morning. Now... Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to read the whole thing is because uh, you will notice uh, as we go through it, the Psalm 25 has 22 verses. Uh, one of the reasons for that is because each of the stanzas in the verse or each of the sections in the Psalm uh, are a different letter, start with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So this is an, if you were to read this in, al in Hebrew, you would see that this is sort of in alphabetical order. Uh, almost uh, something similar to like what you might see with an acrostic that we do uh, today. And, uh, and so I, I figured it wouldn't be quite right for me to just read, you know, a certain number of verses when the original intent clearly of the author was that all of it would be read together. So, so with that said, uh, we're going to be looking at a Psalm of David, Psalm 25. It reads like this. Hold on just a second. I need, I need a goju string. All right, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. You will notice in many of David's Psalms, it's probably the most common thing you'll see in David's Psalms, is talk about his enemies an awful lot. And if you read the life of David, you can understand why he would be so obsessed with his enemies, because he had a lot of them. It seems that David was sort of always on the move uh, from foreign enemies, from foreign uh, kings, from his own family, uh, and of course from uh, Saul, even before he became a king. And so David was a man that constantly was feeling threatened, and therefore uh, he was constantly reaching out to the Lord, asking the Lord for help against his enemies. And yet, what does he say is, what does he tend to think is the way that he's going to get help from his enemies? I mean, you might expect him to say, I want more military might, I want more prowess in battle, I want more weaponry. That'd be fine. What he says, though, is, verse 4, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. 
It's the second time David has mentioned waiting. So he's in the midst of battle right now. He's in the thick of it. The enemies uh, are coming after him. And David is waiting on the Lord. The Lord has not shown up yet in the way that David is hoping for. And yet he's, he's absolutely insistent that God will show up and will save him. Why? Verse 6. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. How many times as we've gone through the Psalms over these last number of weeks have we heard that phrase? Remember your mercy and your steadfast love. Immovable, unshakable, unflinching love for God's people. For they have been from of old. What is David's hope as he faces the battles around him and the struggles around him, whether they be internal or external? God's mercy and his steadfast love toward his children. What is your hope as you face your internal and external enemies? God's mercy and his steadfast love for you. The same is true today for you. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions, David says. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. You see the contrast there. The contrast is, I know I've blown it a lot. And especially when I was young, I made some really stupid decisions. I did some really bad things. We know of these things. David, David's record is pretty clear throughout the scriptures. The man was an imperfect, flawed character. He did some not just stupid things, like really bad things. What is David's only hope? Don't remember that, but instead remember me according to your steadfast love of me. Look at me through those lenses that sees me as a beloved child and not through the lenses that sees me as my sins deserve. And this plea really is the same for us too, friends. It doesn't ever change for us. We can always say that. We can always cry out to God. Remember, remember me according to your steadfast love, not according to what I deserve, not according to my sins. Verse 8, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord, listen to this again, are what? Steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testament. David's saying, no matter what happens, if you're in the Lord, you can't lose the love that he has for you. All the paths you'll take are going to be guided by him, and he is guided by steadfast love for you. For those who have received Jesus Christ and his atoning work on your behalf, this is the case as well. David continues, verse 11, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Now, this is interesting. It might, our natural tendency would be to say, if God pardons our guilt, then he'd be doing a disservice against his justice. Because you can't just simply pardon guilt willy-nilly. You can't just certain, like, go out there and forgive people because then it would violate your very character, God, as a just God. That's not untrue. So what does God do about it? He sends his son to take the just desserts in our place. That's why David can say, even if he doesn't know it yet, for your namesake, O Lord. This is what's most consistent with your character, God. Since you are God and God is love, what's most consistent is that you would pardon me 
that you would not hold my sins against me, even though they're great. Verse 12, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. Remember, in Israel, there was nothing more important than the land, the inheriting of the land. This is a big theme throughout the entire Old Testament. What this is all, really always pointing to is the eternal promised land. It was never just about a piece of dirt here, a piece of land here, but the land that Israel would occupy, the promised land there, was always meant to be a picture of the true kingdom of God, and that's what David is alluding to here. And then listen to this, get this, verse 14. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. So David's still in this place of waiting. He's still waiting, he's still waiting, he's still waiting. And he's even feeling like he's been entrapped in this net. And yet, what is he looking for? What is he dependent upon? The friendship of the Lord. Now, this was a crazy statement to make, especially in those times in the Old Testament. The idea that you would refer to Yahweh as your friend, the idea that Yahweh would refer to you as his friend, is just far too uh, intimate. It's far too personal, far too relational for what people typically thought of the way you relate to God. And yet, that is indeed the way that David feels, and justifiably so. And when he says it's for those who, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Of course, we always need to clarify that fear in that context and in the biblical context has to do with reverencing, recognizing who he is, recognizing that he is God and you are not, that he is creator and you are creature. And David certainly goes, goes along with that throughout this psalm. Verse 16, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. You get the sense that David, as he's facing this problem here, his enemies, you get the sense that David is probably doing what a lot of people are prone to do when danger besets them, when illness comes upon them, when hardship comes. A lot of people are prone to do an inventory of their life and to start wondering, is, is what I'm going through now because of what I did back then? Is, am, I, am I getting my payback right now? I mean, we know the psalmists have emotional uh, thoughts like this all the time. We know the psalmists uh, lament things that aren't necessarily true, but nevertheless, they feel it and they write it down and God allows it to be shared with us today. I mean, multiple times, even though David insists that he is forgiven throughout his psalmody, throughout the entire book of the Psalms, it is interesting how often he asks in this psalm to be forgiven over and over and over again. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Please. Now, by the way, there's nothing wrong with asking for forgiveness of your sins multiple times. That's just fine. David does it here multiple times. And he finds relief in knowing that God will indeed deliver that mercy and forgiveness. So again, he cries out, verse 19, 
Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. There's this sense as David goes through this, as you read the Psalm, where part of what he's, he's pleading to God for is, I have made it abundantly clear to the world that my hope is in you. And I don't want your name to be sullied by uh, what, what, what people will say if I go down. If my enemies exalt over me, I don't want you to, uh, to have your name dishonored as a result of it. And there's a sense in which he's saying this here. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. I take refuge in you. Now, we know that this will indeed be the truth for all who believe in Christ Jesus, that if you take refuge in him, no matter what, you will not be put to shame, even if you face all sorts of calamities and difficulties here in this life. That in the end, none who have put their faith in Jesus Christ will be put to shame. None. Our enemies will never exult over us permanently, ever. Whether they be spiritual, internal, external, whatever the case may be. And so finally, David is sort of representative of all God's people. Just cries out, redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. And the psalm ends there. And so this is one of those, one of those strange psalms. They're not too common where usually the psalms kind of take this path of, this is my problem. Please help me. I know you're a good God who can help me. And then at the end, it's like, you helped me. Thank you. You're awesome. And it ends with praise. But this one ends with a, with a plea, with a cry. Redeem Israel. In other words, redeem your people, oh God, out of all his troubles. And that's where I'll leave our plea today, because we are still in the same boat. Yeah, it's different kinds of troubles. Yeah, it's different kinds of enemies. Yes, it's different kinds of struggles. All those things are true. But it's not a bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing to cry out repeatedly to God. Redeem your people. Redeem your people. Buy back your people. Take them home out of all of our troubles so that we might praise you forever and ever in spirit and in truth. And so that's really what we're, what the focus of our psalm is today. One, God's grace, and two, the hope of deliverance from our enemies to one day be restored to his kingdom as it was meant to be forever and ever. All right, that's our psalm for today. Uh, thanks for joining me for our devotion. I'll see you soon. May God richly bless you.